Welcome, everybody. This is episode number 45 of the Glass City Game Time Podcast. My name is Corey Crisson. This week, we are talking about University of Michigan and the Big Ten, as over the last week and a half or so, the Big Ten Conference has gathered national, some would say worldwide headlines around President Trump talking about starting the Big Ten up. In his words, it's on the one-yard line. Is that true? Is that false? Let's ask Ashley Bastock. She's all over the University of Michigan beat and the Big Ten news for the Blade. Hello, Ashley. How is everything your way? Oh, you know, just following, it seems like a news story or rumor every hour for the last month or so. But, you know, that's par for the course with a decision this big, I guess. Well, it's par for the course for 2020 also, with everything changing as rapidly as it is. But talking about the Big Ten, President Trump urging the conference to start immediately. According to him, he's had conversations with Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, and there's news about leaving Michigan and leaving Illinois and leaving Maryland out as apparently the governors disagree with it. That's all according to the president. What do you make of this whole situation that's going on with the Big Ten and the political angle of it now that has been brought into this? Well, as you know, and some other people may know about me, that I worked in political news before I worked in sports. So um, my brief, extremely brief, broad political analysis of this is that it is a win-win situation almost for President Trump, right? Um, He sends out a few tweets about it. Um, essentially puts some more public pressure on the Big Ten. Um, and if football comes back this fall, then great for him. It's something he can take credit in that he helps to push along on this course. Um, and if it doesn't come back, then no harm, no foul, because he's put the pressure there um, and has offered resources, theoretically, um, according to him, with these rapid tests. So um, politically, kind of a uh, no-lose situation from that perspective. However, I will say um, I don't know necessarily how much pressure it's going to put on the Big Ten just because they were already getting plenty of pressure from people who affect their day-to-day lives, Uh, players, high-profile coaches like Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin, Scott Frost, um, and parents. So it's not like there was no outrage before this. There was, in fact, outrage from the people who are directly affected by this and who um, I think presidents and chancellors are more directly impacted by than the president. Um, But as I've said repeatedly, I think it's kind of hard to know what's going to change people's minds on this vote uh, when we don't know why exactly they voted the way they did. Um, For some of these people, we don't know if testing is what swayed them, a lack of testing, I should say, if it was being more worried about community spread, if it was myocarditis, which we've heard so much about, and how that's related to coronavirus. We just don't know, and until we get more information, um, I think it's hard to speculate, and it's also hard to guess if a few tweets from the president are going to put more pressure on these presidents and chancellors to re-vote or change their decision. Well, especially after the news of myocarditis and Penn State releasing a study of the percentage of athletes who contracted coronavirus coming down and developing myocarditis. In in my humble opinion, it would be not a great look if the Big Ten reversed course, especially in the science world, after revealing that information. The University of Michigan 
the players, the coaches, and the parents have undergone protests, the We Want to Play protests, which you got to cover in person. What are some of the highlights from those protests that you can report on? Yeah, so one of the players we talked to a little bit was Dylan McCaffrey, of course, a quarterback. Um, and he said, I believe the term he used was that they as players felt like the decision was shady. And again, that's his wording, not mine. But um, they felt like that because they were finding out a lot of information from Twitter. And that's, I can see how that's extremely frustrating when you're the people that this directly affects. So um, I definitely thought that was interesting. And also Jim Harbaugh was there as well. Uh, something super interesting there, I thought, was the fact that he said he hadn't spoken with President Mark Schlissel yet, who we know voted no, or not to play, I should say, uh, because we know the three schools who did vote to play, and Michigan was not one of them. So I think that's interesting from a perspective of, while that wouldn't be the normal chain of command, um, with a decision this big, with somebody like Jim Harbaugh, who has the stature he does across the football world, and quite frankly, with how much money Mission is paying him, you would think that that conversation would have occurred. But um, Jim Harbaugh did say that he had texted him. It wasn't clear from his answer if Mark Schlissel had actually texted him back or if this was a more one-sided reaching out by Jim Harbaugh. Um, and he did say that Ward Manuel, the athletic director, has been speaking with him. So that was certainly interesting. And another thing that we heard from Jim Harbaugh and pretty much every player we spoke to was that since Michigan has continued to practice since the season was canceled, that they feel like they would only need about two weeks to get ready with pads and for full contact because obviously teams aren't doing that right now. Uh, so that's certainly noteworthy. And, of course, we heard that Jim Harbaugh said that he had heard about an early, potentially early October start sometime in October that that could be a possibility, and that's what, how those two-week contact uh, comments were made in that context, I should say, that um, they certainly thought that could be possible if a revote could happen, but um, obviously there's been no definitive word from the conference on any of this. So uh, definitely all interesting perspectives from one of the top coaches in the conference as far as, um, you know, standing and tenure and all of that stuff, and his players. The big dominoes to fall here are the presidents and the chancellors who hold the keys to the car, if you will, as to whether the Big Ten does play the season. Is there a sense that the vote could shift and that we could see Big Ten football by the end of, let's say, either September or October? Well, I think the end of September would be a little quick. Um, to me, almost, and you know, having not heard anything definitive on this, you know, you would think Thanksgiving would be a possibility. Um, but you just don't know, right? And I know Kyle Rowland, our colleague, reported yesterday from sources saying that there was optimism about a fall season, but that the votes aren't there yet. And that's significant. I think it's important to remember with the bylaws in the conference, there have to be nine schools that vote for something. Um, so that would essentially mean flipping six votes. And that's a lot of votes <laughs> when you think about it like that. That's more than half of the votes. So uh, it certainly is something to, I guess, keep an eye on. But obviously, I think we've, we've heard more rumors these past few weeks than anything definitive. So it, it really is hard to say. We'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Uh, other news coming out of University of Michigan, Ashley, over the last 
week and a half or so, the university announced and Ward Manuel, the athletic director, announced that 21 positions at the university are being cut in the athletic department uh, as a result of the coronavirus impact. And they're projecting a $100 million loss as a result of not having football season. Uh, what information do we know about that and uh, what can be said about that whole scenario? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's interesting and important to note that this was not the first thing that the athletic department did. This was just the latest thing they did to try to mitigate some of these losses. Um, on top of that, there was already a hiring freeze in place. There had been 15 positions left to vacant since the start of the year. Um, there were salary freezes. There were salary reductions between 5 and 10% for most employees, and that includes Ward Manuel, Jim Harbaugh, Juwan Howard. So some of the biggest names in the athletic department who are employed at Michigan took those pay cuts. And then, of course, operating and team budgets have all been reduced kind of across the board. So it just goes to show how much of a financial issue this is going to be. And you look at numbers from the U.S. Department of Education and specifically at the University of Michigan, that the football program alone generated over $120 million in revenue during the previous fiscal year. So um, I think obviously it's extremely unfortunate and something that Ward Manuel alluded to as being unfortunate and a decision that was not taken lightly at all. But um, I think it goes to show how much money and, you know, people's livelihoods are at stake here beyond just players who, you know, want to have a season so they have a better chance at making an NFL team. Uh, there's a lot of people who are going to be affected by this and people who are going to be affected by this who you wouldn't think would be directly affected by this. So if football is not played, the university's football program is planning on a mock NFL combine in which players can showcase their talents in a similar fashion that they would be able to if they would go to the Indianapolis for the annual NFL combine proper, who could be participating and maybe who could benefit most from an event like this. Yeah, so the, the interesting thing is that this combine that's going to take place in Ann Arbor um, in October is going to be for any player who wants to and is able to do it. Uh, it's not just guys who might be considering going to the NFL this year um, and are hoping to get in front of scouts and get some fresh film. This is going to be for everyone. So it, it definitely is interesting. I think Ben Mason made a great point the other week about how underclassmen can benefit from this because – it gives them a chance to get under the bright lights, essentially. It gives them a chance to get under the tabs and do a vertical jump and get on the starting line and run a four-yard dash. But I think the people who are going to benefit the most are these guys who are going to potentially leave for the NFL after this year, um, somebody like Aiden Hutchinson, somebody like Quiddy Pay. Um, it, it gives them a chance, most importantly, I think, not only to – get any nerves or jitters out, but to allow them to see where they are and see, okay, where do I want to improve and what do I really need to concentrate on improving? So uh, it's definitely interesting, an interesting concept come up with Jim Harbaugh, and I think this is one of these ideas that I hear, and I think, man, this is something that only Jim Harbaugh would come up with, right? Um, but it, you also hear from the players that it's given them a new motivation, and I think that's especially important when there isn't a game on the horizon necessarily. We don't know when there's going to be football at Michigan Stadium, but we do know that there's going to be this at Michigan Stadium in just a few weeks. That's something to look forward to also. And even if the Big Ten doesn't resume playing proper scheduled games, these players can at least look forward to getting back on the field for some kind of a showcase, which I think 
can give them a win in that book. Um, Ashley, any other final news notes that we need to be aware of or maybe that we missed here? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting that along with the We Want to Play protest, I think it's also important to note that two weekends ago, there was also a Black Lives Matter protest organized by student athletes at UM and at Eastern Michigan, which is, of course, just down the road, about 15, 20 minutes. Um, so definitely a lot uh, to keep players occupied more than just football right now, more than just practices or classes. Um, these players are very in tune with the current social issues and the current social climate and racial racial injustice and all of that. And it's something we've seen time and time again from, I think, not just Michigan, but uh, other teams in the Big Ten. So it certainly is noteworthy. And, you know, one person who's taken a huge lead on all this stuff at Michigan is Hunter Reynolds. Um, he started help found College Athlete Unity, which uh, we've seen kind of spur these Big Ten United, Pac-12 United movements of, you know, it, not just looking out for racial injustice, but also looking out for the well-being of players as a whole. So uh, he's definitely a person to keep an eye on when it comes to these protests and other things of that nature. So uh, definitely, as I said, more than football going on right now. Looking forward to it. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that these protests that are going on for racial injustice do continue a conversation of course, Jim Harbaugh has been praised for his vocal leadership. I hope that things can change for the better. This has been a, a year of many trials, and this is something that's definitely worth going for. Uh, Ashley, thanks for the time this week. We know you're insanely busy, and uh, we'll keep in touch on all of these uh, news follow-ups relatively soon. All right. Thanks, Corey. There you go. That's Ashley Bastock. She is the Michigan Beat reporter for The Blade, a short podcast this week. I'm personally coming off a of vacation, so getting back into the swing of things on my end. The NFL starting this week, high school football in full swing. We're in week three now, and Ashley, of course, will be covering a monstrous Northern Buckeye Conference matchup this weekend. Rossford at Genoa in this six-game sprint that we are into before the playoffs begin, and every team makes the playoffs, but Got to win that conference. It's all important, and it does go in the record books as a conference title. Rossford at Genoa, big showdown this weekend in the NBC. So check out her work on Friday evening. And, of course, anytime a Big Ten story breaks or a story around the University of Michigan breaks, Ashley is on that as well. So thanks to Ashley for taking time to join me this week, and thank you listening in for doing so this week as well. If you enjoyed the show or want to go back to listen to previous episodes, there are plenty of ways for you to do that. You can find us every week on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Glass City Game Time and you will find us. And if you also enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave a like rating. And if you have not done so yet, please subscribe. We appreciate that, and that goes a lot farther than you might think. So, for Ashley Bastock, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Next week.